I'm Dr. Jean Hovey. I'm a holistic veterinarian. I've been a vet for um, 27 or eight years. I lose track sometimes, but, um, and mostly in feline practice. And at the first practice I was in, we did declaw cats, and I'm going to talk about declawing and why I don't do it anymore and why I think no one should do it anymore. Um, and it's all about the kitty cats. So let's start. The first thing is, why would you declaw a cat? Um, most people declaw because the cat is scratching furniture and they don't feel it necessary or possible to get a scratching post or to train the cat to the scratching post. So in other words, you're taking a, an animal and you're doing an invasive, painful surgery to save a sofa. When you get rid of that sofa in five years, that cat is still going to be declawed. And we're going to talk about what that means to the cat. So the surgery itself, there are three main ways that veterinarians do the surgery. One is with a nail clipper, which is called a Resco. And you may, if you have a dog, I know you've seen them, but uh, they're used for cats a lot. They're called a guillotine because they have a little eye here and a blade that comes down, it chops. That is a very inefficient and inexact way of doing the surgery because it depends on how you position the blade over the claw, you know, and you can go too high, you can go too low, you can cut the pad because you really can't see what you're doing. Um, that method also purposely leaves a fragment of the bone. Now, the thing is that the claw grows from the bone. We have fingernails and they grow from the skin. But cat, for cats, the claw actually grows from the end of the bone that goes from here to here. So you're trying to cut it off here, but it's, it's very inexact. It's very hard to do it even vaguely correctly. And the vets who do it are usually the ones that are not charging very much money. They do a large volume of declaws and they don't do the extra steps to remove that fragment it's uh, that's a very bad surgery, and there are lots and lots and lots of complications from it. Scalpel declawing is a little more precise. You you actually the bone here is kind of has texture. It's a little wavy. It's not straight, smooth, flat. So you have to carve all the way around that bone, and that is um, it takes a fair amount of skill and a fair amount of practice. And if you don't practice very often, um, like some surgeons say, oh, I only do once a month. If you were trying to get to the Olympics, would you practice only once a month? I don't think so. Um, so the, the problem of unskilled or rusty surgeons doing that surgery also leads to many complications. The third common way is laser decline. It is almost the same as a scalpel decline. You're doing the same movement and the same cut, but you're using a laser to literally burn the tissue. That can also 
result in complications. Now, the veterinarians who use a laser tend to do more declaws because, hey, they have to pay for that $40,000 laser, right? So they like to do a lot of volume and they like to tell people that it's less painful. That is a lie. Studies have shown that while there are fewer complications in the first couple of days, less bleeding, less swelling, there is no difference in pain. And after the first couple of days, there's no difference between laser and scalpel and resco declawing. They are all equally painful, uh, you know, just maybe a little tiny bit less in the first day, but not really. Um, declawed cats have a lot of issues. When they walk, it, you know, they're, they're painful, okay? Normally their, their paws would be like this. So it goes like this. So here's the wrist, first toe bone, the second toe bone, and the claw toe bone. The pad is right here. So normally they do this. When you cut off that last bone, they end up doing this. And that middle, actually more like this. Now this becomes the walking surface. This is bone to skin. This is bone to, if you left the pad, bone to a pad that will over time deform. But what happens is this bone will retract and they end up, I can't even do it, but they end up with a joint that looks angular like that. And you can see how walking on this surface could be very painful. And as things heal and scar tissue contracts, that becomes even worse. And a lot of cats have to have a second surgery down the road to sever this ligament so they can at least go like that and reduce that angle a little bit. Um, it reduces the pain, but it doesn't change the problem. Now, you're walking like this, and this part hurts. So what are you going to do? You're going to go, you're going to shift your weight backwards. And start putting more pressure on this. What can happen in the long run is that wrist can actually drop and they end up walking on their wrist on the flat part of the foot. It's uncomfortable, as you can imagine. Um, and it's pretty easy to tell a declawed cat just by sight and by watching it walk because the biomechanics are so different. Um, there, there is just at, over time, the little pads that are left about here, um, they shrink and they change shape and they develop calluses. And it's, it's very weird looking. Um, when I was in practice and if I wanted to keep my job, I had to declaw. Um, I would find that um, in surgery from later, you know, years later, we would do a dentistry on a cat, a dental cleaning or whatever, on a cat who had had declaw surgery. And these bones were so, the joints were so frozen that even under deep anesthesia, they could not be moved. Whereas a regular cat, you know, you can do this, and this you know, they're, they're flexible. But arthritis sets in relatively quickly in the declawed cats. 
So that's a big, big problem. And of course, very, very painful. Um, there has been a lot of research on behavioral, behavioral effects of decline and um, urinating outside of the litter box and biting are the two that are most commonly reported. There's been a lot of controversy over the years about that's really true or is that not true? You know what, the science in, in at least 10 studies has shown that, yeah, that is true. And the other problem that, that causes is those cats are more likely to be relinquished to a shelter or like my cat, thrown out on the street and left to starve. Fortunately, he was rescued. He came to me and now he's spoiled rotten sitting in his cat tree right there because he likes to supervise. The, the, uh, there have been a couple of recent studies that have shown that pain, um, three, declawed cats are three times more likely to have back pain. They are seven times more likely to not use the litter box. Think about that. You have raw, painful toes, and you're supposed to go scratch like this in the litter box. A lot of cats say, oh, no, not going there. And they go look for something soft to urinate on, like the bath mat or your bed. They are four and a half times more likely to bite. Um, biting is uh, obviously a much bigger problem than clawing. If you get a cat scratch, that's no big deal. It isn't ever going to be very deep. I was in the hospital for five days on IV antibiotics from a single cat bite. So think about how you would prefer to do that. Um, they, and if your cat already bites, like play biting, not serious biting, but maybe nibbling, they are likely to bite much harder following decline. They are three and a half times more likely to be aggressive and they are three times more likely to do what we call barbering, which is they pull out all their own fur from stress. Grooming is a self-comforting behavior. So they just groom and groom and groom and groom because they're trying to relieve the pain and they cannot. This one study also compared declawed cats uh, based on the method of decline. 63% of the cats that they x-rayed, and there were a couple hundred cats, 63% had fragments in the claw, in the, in the toe, the remnant of that last little toe bone, which they only cut here instead of here. So what that does is that's like, you ever walked on a gravel road and gotten a little piece of rock in your shoe? And how long do you walk on that before you say, ow, and you take your shoe off and you get rid of the stone? These cats are walking on five stones in five shoes. They never move. They scar in. They're inflexible. <clears throat> Those fragments cause, <coughs> excuse me, tremendous, tremendous pain. Um, and they cause pain forever. And declaw repair surgery is now becoming a thing because uh, these cats are so painful 
And of course, they're urinating outside the box and they're grumpy and they're just not the same cat they used to be. Now that some of these side effects take years to develop, years. So veterinarians who say, oh, there's no complications because they only look at the cat a week later. I'm sorry, but you, you have not done your job. You haven't looked. And veterinarians, and particular the American Veterinary Medical Association, they haven't found those complications because they haven't looked for them. It's very hard to find something if you're not looking for it, especially if you're deliberately looking somewhere else. Oh, I didn't see a complication. No, no, no. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of studies now that, um, that prove it. It's, it's really, really, really ridiculous. Um, a couple other things that can happen. Let's talk about the kinds of pain you can get with decline. For one thing, of course, it's a painful surgery. There was a study that tested cats on a force plate, which measures how much weight they're putting on each part of their foot. And cat's weight was shifted backwards they only looked for 12 days and they were still shifted backwards after 12 days, indicating that the front part of their foot is too painful to walk on. Even the most monumental, best gold standard pain management recommendations for decline last for seven days, seven. We know they're painful for 12 and much longer, most likely, we're not addressing pain. Even the premier hospitals that are doing laser and every kind of anesthesia and every kind of pain relief, they only do it for a week. Your cat's going to be painful for the next 18 years. So what are they doing about that? Uh, there is a special kind of pain that occurs when immediate surgical pain is not addressed or when chronic pain is not addressed. It's called neuropathic or wind-up pain. This is an out of control pain signal that is actually originating in the nervous system, in the central nervous system. And it, even if the wounds were completely healed and there were no problems, which I don't think that can ever happen, but the brain keeps generating pain signals or the spinal cord, the peripheral nerves, they keep generating a pain signal the scent of the brain and the cat says, ow. Um, chronic pain, of course, I believe that all declawed cats have chronic pain. And the reason I am so confident is because in studies with humans, amputees, no matter when they were amputated or the reason for an amputation, whether it was surgical, whether it was traumatic, whether they were a year old or whether they were 60, every single one reports phantom sensations in the missing limb. 80% of those sensations are reported to be painful. Cats have 10 individual amputations. If you're only doing the front paws, 80, 18 amputations if you're doing the back paws too, which most veterinarians ethical veterinarians will not even do. So my math is really terrible. But if you have 10 amputations times 80% of them are painful, 
I think it's like 800% that the cat is gonna be in pain some or all of the time. Um, the thing is, if you're painful on both feet, you're not gonna limp. So people see the cat walking in a square manner, you know, there's no, you know, they're not doing this, um, but a, a, a pet parent cannot really tell lameness from that and veterinarians don't look for it, they don't see it. In a 15 minute appointment, that is not, you know, oh, he limped once last week, that's never gonna come up. So this chronic pain goes unaddressed in almost all cats. Um, but they can go lame on one particular, you know, if, if the injury or the fragments are too much on one pod, then they'll limp. And so we can call lameness a complication, but I think they're all lame uh, to varying degrees, but it may be disguised by the fact that they're lame on two out of their four feet. Um, and then emotional pain. I don't know if people are into animal communication, but I have been told, and it makes sense to me, that cats are extremely distressed. They can be upset with their parent, their human parent. They can be upset that they did not do more to prevent it from happening as if they could have done something. And they know that a that their body parts are missing. A lot of vets say, oh, they'll scratch on the scratching post so they don't know their claws are missing. They know their claws are missing. Um, this behavior is hardwired. It's a hardwired instinct. My cat does it. And I can tell you that if I, when I watch him closely, I can see the signs of pain. I can see them every day. You know, maybe it's, he hesitates a little too long to jump down from the chair because he knows it's going to hurt when he lands. Um, it, maybe it's, you know, he, he licks this paw a little more than usual. Maybe his eyes are squinty. Maybe his ears are turned back. Those whiskers pulled back, those are all signs of pain. A happy cat has ears forward, whiskers forward, and they have a relaxed air about their face. If you want to look up something really interesting, look up Grimace study, G-R-I-M-A-C-E, Grimace, like, that's a Grimace. They have studied this in rats, horses, dogs, rabbits, and finally, they've started to do it in cats. If you pay attention, if you have a declawed cat that's a rescue like mine, or if you didn't know better and you declawed your cat and now you're trying to find out the truth, um, maybe your veterinarian lied to you or disguised the truth or just didn't even bother to mention that there could be complications, even though all the veterinary associations have always said, oh, you must disclose these complications. Well, they don't, they don't because it would take an hour and you have a 15 minute check-in appointment for that surgery. When I explained what decline was to my clients who were bringing their cats in for declaw surgery, about 75% of them said, oh, never mind, don't do that. And then we do whatever other procedure, spay or neuter or whatever. There were 25% who said, I don't care. I don't care how painful they are. I have a leather couch. Um, 
what I've always wanted to say to those people is get a goldfish because that is not an appropriate home for cat. And if you're feeling that way, you probably checked out of this video a long time ago. So bless you all for sticking around and hearing the unvarnished truth. And I'm talking about this today. So you have the ammunition to tell your friends, to ask your vet, to post on Facebook, to say, I didn't know this about declawing, but holy guacamole, this is really bad. And it is really bad. It is really bad. So what are some of the things you can do instead of declawing? Now there's a persistent myth that cats can't be trained. And let me tell you, they can. And they can also train you. My cat has trained me to give him treats every time he gets up on the kitchen table which he does multiple times a day. So he's got me trained, and but I think I trained him to get up on the table when I asked him to. <laughs> I don't think so. Do you think so, buddy? I don't think so. But cats can be trained. Clicker training works very well. There's a book called Clicker Training for Cats. I think Karen Pryor is the author. That's a really good one. Um, but they can be trained to use a scratching post. If they like to scratch on the carpet, get one of the flat cardboard uh, scratching posts. You have to replace them every once in a while. They're like $7, you know. The, how would you, would you prefer all your stuff get ruined or would you rather put in a little time and effort and make a, a solution that's workable for you and your cat? Um, regular claw trimming is very helpful. If you start them when they're kittens, it's not hard. I use one of these, you know, just a regular, except for a cat, you turn it this way because the claw is oriented in that direction instead of that direction. You can, um, there's a, also little scissor ones. The, the rescals are very hard to use on cats, but the little scissor ones work very, very well. Um, and just, Trim off the little tips. And by the way, there's no law that says you have to trim all 18 toes at once. When your cat is sleeping, trim one. Next time your cat is sleeping, trim another one. Tomorrow, another one. Over time, you get a pattern and they become used to having their feet handled and it becomes easier. And if you just put in that little tiny modicum of effort, the claws will not be as damaging. But of course, you want them not to scratch stuff anyway. Oh, one of the other reasons people say they want to declaw the cat, this is a good one. Um, it's because they have thin skin or they're on blood thinners or they had an organ transplant and they're worried about cat scratch disease, which by the way, dogs are more prone to carry. Cats don't get vengeful. They don't scratch anything on purpose. They don't scratch you on purpose. Um, but there's there are several physician organizations and the CDC who have said that declawing is not an appropriate solution to scratching. What they say is don't play rough with your cat. And let's extend that to don't play rough with your kitten. Never, ever, ever go like that to your kitten or let them chew on your hand. Remember that YouTube video a few years ago and it was a little kitten 
and they would go and it would go and it was so cute that cat's going to be a biter when he grows up and when he's 15 pounds with inch long fangs it's not going to be quite as cute so don't create the habit in the first place and if your cat has the tendency to play rough always use a toy or rolled up socks or something distract them keep a laser pointer handy and off they go um, it, distraction is a wonderful technique uh, parents know that you can use that with children works on cats too very well um, if you want to be really efficient you can get soft paws or soft claws they're little plastic nail caps that you put on over the claw your veterinarian can apply the first ones they will as the claws grow out they'll fall off or they'll wear off or they'll bite them off but once you understand how they work they're pretty easy to do at home and they come in fashion colors you can get pink you can get purple you can get aquamarine they're very attractive and they don't hurt the cat they just put a blunt tip on the claw so there's no damage that can occur those are terrific there are emery scratching boards there's dremel tools that grind off the the tip of the toe the toenail that uh, that vets and and bird people use on birds beaks and claws doesn't hurt them the cat's gonna freak out the first time you tried but um, exposure repetition gradual desensitization desensitization look that one up on google because it'll tell you exactly how to do it um, also while you're working on training your cat protect your stuff my number one rule for anything is protect your stuff if your cat gets urinary tract infections and might pee on the bed to let you know cover your bed with something waterproof um, you know if if they love the couch put double-sided sticky tape or throw a towel over the end of the couch they're going to go they're going to grab the towel it's going to come down on their head and they won't do that anymore these these things are temporary you're not going to have to have your your couch covered up with blankets forever but just while you're training the cat to do something else to teach your cat how what is an acceptable surface there's cat sprays you can put on posts there's lots of lots of uh, positive reinforcement you can do to get a cat to go here not here um, there are pet repellent sprays there's an ultrasonic cat repellent um, one thing i did for a time when my cats were, were in the middle of training is i would put an upside down uh, one of those plastic with vinyl um, things that you put in the hallway the covers that, that protect the carpet it has little spikes on the on the bottom turn it over your cat will never walk there again um, if 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 oh and there's also a, a pheromone a feline pheromone that you can spray on the it's um, that you can spray on the on a scratching poster a cardboard scratcher wherever you're doing um, that imitates the happy hormones and it's it's been shown to really do quite well with this um, if you must have a declawed cat there are many 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 declawed cats in shelters who would love to have a loving home or you could just wait 
and one will show up in your life like Perry did. Um, there are so many rescues. There are so many rescues. Um, and if you absolutely cannot live with a cat that claws and you have tried all of those I just gave you, like 16 alternatives to decline. If none of that works, that cat is not a good match for you. Rehome the cat. Now, veterinarians are gonna go, oh my God. Rehoming the cat is not the worst thing that can happen. Having a surgery that's gonna create pain and agony for 18 years, I think that's worse. Honestly, I think that's worse. So sometimes it's just a mismatch. You adopt a cat and it's just not the right cat for you. Somebody would love to have that cat. And that cat would love to be in a home where there isn't so much frustration and anger on your part. I'm not gonna say get a goldfish, but you know, get, get, maybe reconsider. Now, when I was in vet school, one of my classmates asked, why don't we declaw dogs? Because I have gotten some pretty severe scratches from dogs and they'll scratch you with all four paws and they'll jump up on you or they'll just walk across your hand when you're sitting on the floor and they'll scratch the tarnation out of you. You know what the answer was? Because dogs scream. Cats are stoic. They do not easily show signs of pain. If you have a declawed cat and you think it's not painful, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. I encourage you to uh, perhaps take your cat through the through the desensitization, the desensitization and aesthetic protocol created by Dr. Jamie Gaynor. I'm sure that's online. It's certainly on my website, littlebigcat.com. There, there is a several day routine that takes care of the neuropathic pain. It kind of undoes some of that long-term damage. And then you must address the pain for the rest of the cat's life. Now, whether you want to do that with pain meds, whether you want to do it with homeopathy or acupuncture, or any of the other alternative modalities, up to you. Um, certainly, glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, and other arthritis supplements, I would start those very, very early like yesterday, um, if you're just hearing about this now. So uh, those will help prevent arthritis, prevent those joints from becoming frozen and unable to move. And if the cat steps on wrong or he's on uneven ground, you know, that's just gonna aggravate the pain. So there's so, there's so, so, so much you can do to, to not have to decline your cat or to address the, pain after declawing if, if that has happened to your cat. In California, in 2009, um, the PAW Project, which is based in uh, LA, did, uh, did a big effort that I was part of to ban declawing in various jurisdictions around California. The reason they had to do that is because one city banned declawing and the California Veterinary Medical Association lost its mind. And they went to every other profession because all 
California medical professionals are governed under the same rules at the state level. And they got the ophthalmologists and they got the dentists and they got everybody, the MDs. And they said, they went to the legislature and they said, we can't have people banning a, a common practice. That's just crazy. So the state passed a law that said, jurisdictions can't do that. They can't do what West Hollywood did. They can't ban decline and they can't ban tooth extraction, whatever it is. So the pop project went into overdrive and we got decline banned in a total of eight cities. And in every city where I testified, every single one, once the city council or the county board of supervisors, no matter what the legislative body was, once we could get them to understand what decline was, and we were trying to ban it under the cruelty statutes. And every single one of them said, are you kidding? Of course that's cruel. That's insane. Banned. San Francisco, Berkeley, Santa Monica, Los Angeles, uh, Beverly Hills, Culver City, Burbank, uh, everyone, same, same result. And it was just, astounding how people didn't understand and veterinarians would get up and they say decline keeps cats in their homes we'll tell that to my cat who was thrown out on the street probably because he was peeing on the carpet or something like that he's a lovely cat he does have litter box accidents once in a while so i'm sure that's what happened to him you know and he was he was emaciated, he was frozen, he, his ear tips fell off from frostbite and he was declawed. And I, he came to me on Christmas Eve. He'd been out there in all the cold and snow for I don't know how long, how many months. Um, that's what happens to these cats. Decline does not save their homes. After Los Angeles and these other jurisdictions banned decline, there, Paw Project studied them, and they found that overall relinquishment to shelter rates for cats decreased. More cats stayed in their home when declawing was banned. So don't let anybody fool you. Um, there's, I, I just, it's, it's very simple. Why should we ban declawing? Why should we not declaw? It's a necessary 16 alternatives, and it's cruel. Causes pain don't do it. And please feel free to share this video with your social networks and with people who may be considering um, decline their cat. If you have a friend, if you want to get involved in advocacy with the PAW Project, pawproject.org. If you want more detailed information, my website, littlebigcat.com. Please take this seriously, people. Ten uh, seven out of 10 Canadian provinces have banned it. Many countries in the entire EU have banned decline. Um, the United States is way behind the curve. The American Association of Feline Practitioners um, calls it cruel, and so do many other veterinary organizations. But veterinarians are like the Queen Mary. It's hard to turn something that big. And there's a lot of inertia 
and a lot of momentum to keep going along the track that they are. But if we all talk to our vets, if we all talk to our friends, if we do what we can, we can stop decline around the world. And wouldn't that be awesome for cats? So thank you so much for watching. Namaste. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.